Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for a new year. Lord, for an opportunity to serve you, to follow after you this year. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe over your people. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe over your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's a new year. You may be seated. It's a new year. And it's a great opportunity to take stock of 2019. What did you learn? And then to look ahead to 2020. What do you want to focus on? So who in here has a New Year's resolution? (laughs) That's impressive. Um, I was thinking about my New Year's resolution uh, a couple days ago and writing down kind of all the things that I wanted to work on and focus on. And this whole idea of resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. That's what it's about. I want to do more of this thing or I don't want to do this thing that's not as good for me. And so we have these resolutions that, whether they're spoken, unspoken, these things that we're trying to work on in our life. So I want you to just tuck that away in your mind. We're going to come back to that. So this is also a new year, so we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Sent for the Sake of Others. Now, some of you guys may recognize this language, Sent for the Sake of Others, because it's part of our vision document. Go ahead to the next slide. So at the very bottom of our vision document, at at our core values, it's that we as a people, Grace Anglican Church, want to be about being sent for the sake of others. And this word sent comes right out of our text. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be in Matthew 9, starting in verse 35, all the way down to verse 38. It's 814 in the Pew Bible. This is Matthew chapter 9. And, and we're going to start at the end and then work our way up. It says this, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his vineyard. That word send in Greek is apostello, which is where we get the word apostle. But there's lowercase apostle that Jesus sent the apostles out in this text, but he also sends us lowercase apostles out. We are sent ones, sent into the world for the sake of others. So today, what we're going to look at is this. Three questions. Who is sent? Who are we sent to? So who? Why? Why are we sent to them? And finally, how? Practically, how are we sent into the world? Specifically, as Grace Anglican Church, how are we sent ones? So first off, who? Now, he uses this language and this image of the harvest and these laborers. He says, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. You can go ahead and put the sermon slide up, sent for the sake of others. Um, right. So, what is the harvest and what are the laborers? Let's start with the laborers. Who are the laborers? I've been praying this prayer now for two or three months. Every day at 10.02, my alarm goes off on my phone, and I pray, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Send out laborers into the harvest, Lord. More laborers. We want more laborers, Lord, into our community, Lord, into global missions. We want more laborers in my neighborhood. We want more laborers here and in our schools and in our workplaces. That's where we want laborers. And I've been praying this prayer, and about two months in, so like a couple weeks ago, I realized like, Lord, what I'm really praying is like, here I am, Lord, you know, send Chuck to, <laughs> into my neighborhood to reach my neighborhood. 
And then I realized like, oh, I'm actually praying like I am one of those laborers. And what God's been doing is he's been stirring in me a desire for my neighborhood. And so that's who the laborers are. It's you and me. Everyday people. Joe Schmoes, like you and me. Now, who's the harvest? What harvest is he talking about? The challenge is the harvest. In our minds, when I think harvest, I think out there. I think people in India. The harvest is plentiful in India. Or the harvest is plentiful in downtown Jacksonville. You know, it's out there. But who's our harvest? If we're the laborers, who's our harvest? What does our harvest look like? This is what our harvest looks like. It's the people sitting next to you at work. It's one of your clients. It's the person sitting next to you at school that you haven't talked to, you haven't gotten to know. This is what our harvest, go back to the next one. This is what our harvest looks like. Does anybody recognize this? No, not that one, next one. Anybody recognize that? Any Y members in here? All right. What's up, Y, y people? Um, the harvest is at our gyms. It's, they're the people on our tennis team. They're the people that are in the PTA meetings with us. They're the people that are at our, you know, the clubs that we're a part of. And it also looks like this. That's the harvest. That's the harvest field. Your neighborhoods. Your neighbors. Why is God sending us out to these ordinary places? Because there's something behind those doors that we don't see. There's something behind the eyes of the guy or the lady at your office that you don't see. That Jesus does see. So why? That's who we're sent to. The harvest is the everyday people in our lives. But why? Why are we sent there? And Jesus says that as he was ministering to all these people, he saw something about humanity not just their appearance, how they looked, the car they drive, that type of house they lived in, but they, they saw something about the state, the condition that they were in. And this is what he saw. It says, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. His heart was moved because he saw past the appearances to the fact that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Think about the people that you work with in your neighborhood, that you work out next to. You probably think they're fine. And what Jesus is saying, that we're sheep. And what do sheep do? We may think we're independent people. We're Americans, you know. We have our freedom and we can do what we want. But the reality is Jesus knows our frame. And he says we're like sheep. That we're all being led by something and we're all being led somewhere. Now, the question is, what are we being led by and where are we being led? And do you guys remember the definition of a noun from grammar, from like fourth grade grammar? Does anybody remember three things? What? Here we go. There's a fourth grader. What you got? Person, place, or thing. Yes. Awesome. So we're going to look at three, those three things that we look to people, we look to places, and we look to things to find our satisfaction, to lead us. So first off, people. Who do you want to get the approval of? Right? Instagram. Some of you guys are on Instagram. Some of you guys probably are not. But what is it called if you are, uh, are, what are you doing if you click on somebody? You're not a friend, that's Facebook. On Instagram, you're following them, right? You're following them. You're a follower. How many followers do you have? And the reality is that we're looking to people for advice, how we should look, how we should act, how we should get the advantage at work, the type of parent that we should be. And I don't know about you all, 
you know, I, I listen to some podcasts and I hear all this advice about all these things that I'm doing. And I, I know so many good things to do, but I don't have the will to do them. I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm failing at everything because I know all of these things I should do, but I, I can't live up to them. So we look to all these people, these gurus that give us advice, but it leaves us exhausted. Or places, right? Instagram, right? There's this beautiful place in Tahiti or this person climbing a mountain and it makes my life feel so ordinary and mundane and the place I live to see, like, okay, cool, Fleming Island is beautiful. You know, I could take a good Instagram picture here, but there's this wanderlust, this FOMO, fear of missing out that somewhere something is happening and I'm not part of it, right? Or things. We just got done with Christmas and we as a people oftentimes looked at things and I was talking to my brother-in-law he works in the tech world out in Silicon Valley and he was telling me about the culture that's building there and he said obviously Amazon is the kind of the, the head honcho in town and he said this that they have this mantra that they're living by and all these other tech companies are starting to adopt which is customer obsession that they say we want to be obsessed with our customers and we want our customers to be obsessed with our products. And I went and I was like, I don't know. He said, yeah, it's creating a really weird culture out there. And I was like, I don't know. Like, that just sounds like some fear mongering or something. Um, and so I went and looked up the shareholder's letter from a couple years ago. And this is Jeff Bezos. He says, there's many ways to center a business. You can be competitor focused. You can be product focused. You can be technology focused. You can be business model focused. And there are more. But in my view, obsessive customer focus is by far the best. Why? There are many advantages to a customer-centric approach. It's good. But here's the big one. Customers are always beautifully and wonderfully dissatisfied. Even, he knows us well. He studied us well. Even when they report being happy and that your business is doing a good job. He says this, and even when they don't know it, customers want something better. And your desire to delight customers will drive you to invent on their behalf. No customer ever asked us to create the Prime Membership Program, but it sure turns out they wanted it. It's funny, but we're all being led by something. And we're all being led by, when we're all being led somewhere. And so you have concrete nouns and then you have an abstract noun, which is ideas. And here is, if I were to summarize the, the, the shepherd of the age and the advice that they're giving, it would be three statements. Get more, do more, and be better. Get more, do more, and be better. And then there's Jesus' voice. The voice of the good shepherd speaking over you and me. You don't need more. You need me. You need me. He says later, a couple chapters later, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life, and you will find rest for your soul. You see, when we follow the Good Shepherd, 
when we look to Him, we begin to pray this prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want more. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus' invitation to you and me and to everybody we know is this. You don't need more. You need me. You see, the gospel is not about what we can achieve, what we can accomplish, but rather what has been achieved for us. It's what we receive. It's a gift that we receive. It's not about something we do. It's about something that's been done for us. And when we live in that identity, that we have received God's love and mercy and favor and grace, It's not that we don't need people and places and things. All those things are good. But what it does is it puts them in right perspective because we have a shepherd that's guiding us and saying, hey, go to this person. No, this place is good for you. Yeah, this thing, it's okay. You can can indulge in that. It's okay. These are all good gifts that I've given you. But we're not driven by that desire for more and more and more. We're led by the good shepherd who's already done it for us. And so I was praying this past uh, week and I was writing down all these things that I wanted to do and to accomplish this year. And it was really long and it started to get me pretty anxious. And I was like, well, what's my New Year's resolution going to be? I'm a goal-focused type of person. And then I read this blog of this woman who was saying, what if we instead of focus on our New Year's resolution being something that we can achieve, what if we focused on something that we can receive from God? What if it looked like I'm going to seek to receive his peace and rest? I'm going to seek to receive his boundaries and limits. And what I sense the Lord saying is, Dan, write on the top of your list this. And if you write on the top of your list this, everything else this year will be okay. Come to me. Walk with me. Stay yoked to me. Don't go too fast. Don't get lethargic and fall behind. Stay yoked to me. So this year, I would encourage you, make that your decision to say, I'm going to choose not to achieve something, but to receive something from God. That's the gospel. Now, this news isn't just for us, for this flock. It's for the whole world. It's for everybody that you know. And so the question then is, how are we to go out into the world and share with others? If the true state of us is that we're like sheep and that everybody we know is behind their eyes and behind closed doors is harassed and helpless. How do we go out to them? And this is where we want to get practical. So how do we go out as sent ones? So a little bit later in the passage, Jesus says, this is how I'm going to send you out. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep. You see, we oftentimes think if we're sent out, we have to be one of two things. We either have to be sent out as shepherd saviors that we have to save the world, and that makes us really anxious about the people that we're, that we're loving and caring for because we think it's our job to save them. And they can smell the anxiety on us because we're like, ooh, I need to get you saved. Or we think we have to be the pushy salesman that it's our job to convince them that God is real and God loves them. And Jesus says, no, I'm sending you out as sheep. And what are sheep known for? They're known for being gentle, mild, humble, and they're known for following. 
And a shepherd leads his sheep out. And so there's nowhere you go to your workplace or to your gym, into a relationship, into a hard conversation that Jesus isn't already there working, calling them to himself. So we go as sheep. Now, here's, if you want to sum up this whole sermon, it's this. We are just sheep telling sheep about a shepherd. That's what it means to be sent. We're just sheep telling sheep about a shepherd. So how is our church? So that's the scriptures and our sermon series is going to be focused on how do we grow as sent ones. But then there's also a strategy. How is our church practically going to do this? And the strategy for this is in your bulletin. So go ahead and grab it. Grab it out. It's this 30-day prayer movement. We as a collective people of God at Grace Anglican are going to seek to uh, do these three things for the next 30 days. So we have a sermon series of scripture and then here is our strategy. For 30 days, we're going to identify up to three people in our lives. So you see one, two, three. You can write those down later. You're going to write down three people in your life that you think God has placed in your life that doesn't know Jesus or doesn't have a community to follow Jesus. And we're going to do three things. We're going to pray for them every day. And the way that we're going to encourage you to do it is to go onto your phone. So in a couple minutes, we're going to have a sermon response song. And I'm actually, at one, I'm actually going to encourage you to get your phones out at church and set an alarm that will go off every day at 10.02, which is this, this text, Lord, send out more laborers into the harvest, at 10.02 to remind you to stop and to pray for those three people every day. And then we're going to invest. And you'll see right here in this tan uh, card, this one is a conversation card. And so this has some suggested questions that you could ask the people in your life to have an intentional conversation with them, to listen well to what are they longing for? Where are their places of need? And then on the back, there's an opportunity, or there's a, an example of how you could invite somebody. If you're like, I, don't ex- I haven't been to Alpha, I'm not ex- exactly sure how to explain Alpha, it's right here. And we'll talk a little bit more about this and train you up in this at our Sunday school right after this service in the fellowship hall. But it's right here. This is an example of how you can ask somebody. And finally, so you don't have to remember all the details, here's the invitation cards. So that you can say, hey, I want to tell you about Alpha. You tell them what it is. Then you say, here's a card for more information. Is this something you'd be interested in exploring? Pray, invest, invite. So we're about to go into a sermon response song and we're going to give you guys a couple minutes while they play it to pray about who it is that that God wants you to invest in and look for an opportunity to invite them to come follow Jesus and come to Alpha on February 9th. All we are is sheep telling sheep about a shepherd. So let's pray, invest, invite, and watch God at work. Lord, I just pray as we head into this time to listen to you. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to show us who it is that you have called us to pray and invest and invite. Lord, we thank you that you're the good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.